since you're uh, on the line, as they say, do we still say that? Yeah, I used to say that, like I have on the line, but because nobody's on the line anymore. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I remember that. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another atmospheric episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. This episode and all the episodes on this show are brought to you by our very good friends at Cognite. So if you don't know who Cognite is, then you got to go to this website, makedatadomore.cognite.com. Because tell me, who in the oil and gas industry right now is not trying to make their data do more. In particular, for Cognite, we are talking about industrial data. So all of that good stuff out there in the fun parts of oil and gas where all of those, uh, all the remote operations are. And of course, we know that uh, there's so much being done out there with with the data and the automation and and all of the cool new stuff that's happening at the edge. And Cognite is right in the middle of it. They're partnering with some amazing people around the industry. They're working with with really good folks. And so that's why we love having them as a sponsor, because besides the financial support, which, of course, we desperately need, but we but we love what they're doing for the industry. And so uh, that's why you need to show them some love and go have a look. And uh, as I always say, we love our sponsors at OGGM, because without them, there is no us that is really true. So uh, show our sponsors some love. Also, I got to tell you about this cool thing that we are doing with the Canon here in Houston. Now, now this this only works for those of you who are in Houston, or if you're visiting Houston, this would work for you as well. Because uh, the Canon, as you know, is that amazing place where we do a lot of OGGN events. And uh, of course, we record a lot of podcasts there. I'm not there today because uh, we're going to be in the remote configuration because my because my esteemed guest is not here in Houston. But uh, but the Canon is a fantastic place. It's, it's a co-working facility, but it's much more than that. It's a place where you can meet other, uh, other people that are uh, in similar lines of business. You can meet entrepreneurs. You can connect with people. They have lots of great resources for you. And now you can try it out for a free day because all you got to do is, uh, is go there and tell them at the, at the front desk that uh, you heard about it on OGGN and you will get a free day pass. So what could be better than that? And it doesn't have to be the, the big one on the west side of Houston. It could be uh, any of the Canon locations here. I, I forget how many there are, but there are a few. Uh, you can look them up. And so so do that. Go get a day pass and, and check the place out because uh, particularly that, the, particularly the one that we love over there on Britmore because it's fantastic. We do a lot of stuff there. Also, uh, speaking of doing fantastic stuff, at the Canon, the OGGN happy hours, uh, at least here in Houston so far. We haven't gone to other cities yet, but we are up and running here in Houston. We just had our first one, uh, you know, coming back from the dark ages. Uh, we had our first one a few weeks ago in June. There's one coming up in July. In fact, they're going to be every month. Uh, should be on the last Thursday of every month. 
So if you miss one, uh, you can still catch all the rest of them. They're fun events. Uh, there's food, there's drinks, there's, uh, there's talking with other people, and, uh, and we always have a great panel discussion. So uh, look for that on our – look. just check out the OGGN uh, LinkedIn uh, feed, and you will see, you'll, you'll see information about this event. But, uh, but you got to do that. Also, you can learn about uh, some new shows that we have coming out. we got some great ones. So connect with OGGN and see what's going on. Okay, that brings us to our guest today, uh, who is uh, who has been in the tech world for many years, and we we actually we're already having a good conversation before I hit record, but uh, we're gonna have some of that again. <laughs> we're gonna do it a little bit again, and uh, and we're looking at how connectivity factors into ITOT convergence. I know we've been talking about ITOT convergence on this show uh, quite a bit, but it is in the foreground in the industry, and there's so many different aspects to consider. Um, and so today, we're really um, we're looking at, at how the infrastructure related to connectivity um, yeah, can enable so many more things, and also uh, how, how to go about planning and executing these kinds of things. So with that... Let's go to our guest. I've got here on the line. Well, I, we were just joking about this. I don't. I don't know if people say on the line anymore. But anyway, I have in the remote configuration, Mr. Steve Mathers, who is from Verizon. And St- Steve, I got to apologize because I, I thought I had it here in my notes, but I don't actually have. I don't have your title, but I know it's something important. Yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> Global Innovation Partners is the title. But yes. So yeah, thanks for uh, having me on today. I really appreciate it. I am with Verizon and in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and get down to Houston quite a bit uh, with a number of oil and gas refinery type uh, companies and looking forward to this conversation. Uh, yeah, we have a yeah. lot a lot of discussions going on with customers around ITOT conversions. And so I've got a lot of interesting stories to share with you. Excellent, good, because we love interesting stories. Um, stories are stories are good when they're not interesting we don't love those as much but but we do like the uh we like the good stories it's much better than people just uh pontificating about things i I, you know you mentioned that you're in dallas fort worth area but i happen to know uh because we were just chatting about this a minute ago that you are you're there in historic granbury texas which is uh, a really nice nice place there kind of kind of far out from 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 fort worth right yeah, yeah, about uh, 30 miles southwest. But yeah, beautiful area out in the country and, uh, you know, an 1880s, 1890s downtown square. Just uh, a really great community. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So Texas has a lot of those, actually. So for those of you who are uh, not from Texas or for those of you who are in Texas and you spend all your time in a big city, uh, if you go out and drive just a couple of hours in, in any direction, you, you, you see little towns uh, like that. But before we get into our, into our topic here, which is going to be good, tell us about, uh, I, I saw somewhere that you're, our, that you're involved, like you're, you're one of the in leadership for something called a forward training center. So what, ah. what's, what's that all about? Oh, very interesting! Wow, you did a little research on me. Well, I yeah, try forward. to try to keep it try to keep it lively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Forward Training Center. Uh, I've been involved with them for the last few years, and they're a, a local nonprofit that really tries to reach out to those that maybe have not gotten a full education, or they've had some bad family issues in the past. They're just coming out of uh, you know high school, you know, trying to find themselves, or We've got folks that are, you know, maybe, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s that have gone through some life struggles, whether it's alcohol or 
those types of things, mm -hmm. uh, a bad relationship and, you know, helping them get it back on their feet, you know, how to present themselves to, you know, get a job if they're unemployed, right? And helping them understand how to use Excel or PowerPoint. So we take them through different training classes to get them on their feet uh, and really encourage them uh, in this faith base, which is great as well to give them, you know, a, right, a spir right. spiritual boost. So it's a, a fantastic thing. We see a lot of great outcomes from that and really, really happy to be participating. That's great. How long has that been uh, been going on? How long has, have they been, been? Have you been doing that? Uh, they've been doing. I've been doing it, you know, for the last three to four years. But it's been in uh, in the Granbury area for the last ten plus years. So it's, wow, it's a great, great organization. That that is. Um, I'm always a fan of the teach to fish approach. Yeah. So uh, that's really great. Well, good. Well, I I, I did spot that there, and uh, sounded it sounded really uh, sounded interesting. So, all right, let's. Um, Let's move on here to um, this connectivity issue. And, you know, like I mentioned uh, a second ago, we've talked a lot about ITOT. I mean, it's a hot topic in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so it, com it comes up on the show all the time. Um, almost maybe too much. I don't know. But, but, the, uh, but, the, but the focus is usually on the the compute thing, like the edge computing and what's happening out there and the security issues and the, and the, um, uh, and, uh, you know, how do you, how you harness the data and stuff like that. But, but the, but the connectivity, uh, component is, is also a big deal, especially in oil and gas where we don't like, we have a lot of remote facilities that aren't like exactly right on the internet backbone, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so, so what, uh, um, so what, how, how does it kind of shape up like right now? Like what do you see, how do you see the state of things in terms of the kind of stuff we're trying to do out there in these remote places and, uh, and our ability, uh, you know, is, and what is connected? Is it, is it helping us right now? Is it hurting us? Is it an obstacle? Is it, is it a problem? What, what's the state of stuff out there? Yeah. Well, let's think about it, you know, in terms of, you know, kind of go on the journey, right? Uh, if you're in oil and gas, obviously you've got, you know, your upstream, midstream and downstream. So if you go from an upstream perspective out in the Permian Basin, as an example, uh, connectivity is getting better out there. I mean, we're at Verizon, we are putting up more towers and enhancing our connectivity. Uh, the, you know, the, the customers in that particular upstream area are really focused in on you know, how can we make our operation more efficient? How can we lower costs? How can we uh, reduce maintenance costs and downtime? And so right. obviously you're seeing a lot of machine learning models and AI, um, you know, predictive maintenance kinds of models, but part of that has to do with connectivity, right? So now that we've got better coverage, now that we've made big investments as other uh, providers have done as well, but we've made one of the largest investments in C-band, right? So C-band is gonna allow us over the upcoming months as, as this investment rolls out and we start turning on more spectrum across the United States, including rural areas, you're going to see, you know, the coverage maps just light up dark red in our case, right? Right. Meaning right. much, much more connectivity. And what that's going to lead to is the ability to have better edge at the uh, edge compute at the edge capabilities mm -hmm. to really enhance those models. So right now, you know, when I talk to upstream uh, customers, a lot of the times they have to do, you know, collect the data on PCs, take it to another location, process it with their machine learning or AI models, bring it back, and then get some insights. Now, as connectivity improves and we can, you know, connect through, um, you know, private LTE connectivity at the site, 
right? Now we're able mm-hmm. to do edge compute at the site and really improve operational efficiency and timing. Uh, so it's much more real time. So it's more real time data analytics. Yeah, sure, sure. So when we were talking earlier, uh, you, you talked about how, how you're very focused on business outcomes. Mm-hmm. And business outcomes isn't really something that, um, like like a lot of, so when, when people think about infrastructure and compute capabilities and all of that, and they think about things like data flow and connectivity and latency, and, uh, those conversations oftentimes are absent. Like the business outcomes part of that is absent from those conversations because it doesn't seem like a natural thing for, 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 for people who are just trying to figure out like, uh, how do, how do I make this, how do I make all this stuff work? So how do you, how do you, uh, so talk a little bit about that, this like leading with business outcomes in terms of planning your infrastructure. Right. Now, this is a great question because the, the, the business outcomes really lead to what use cases are the priorities or the value cases that drive the, the business outcomes, right? So that's what we focus. And that's kind of where we start, right? We don't necessarily start with, hey, Industry 4.0 is going in this direction and here's what the roadmap looks like. Uh, we also we also like to start with um, discussions around, you know, from an ITOT perspective, when we meet with our ITOT leaders, we ask the question like, well, where's the business priorities that you guys have to address, right? We want to help you serve your business partners the most effective way possible and align with you on where we can add value. So what we try and do is put together almost like think about a, a co-created executive summary that says, here's where we have pain points. The business wants us to do the following. We have problems with, I'll just give you an example, you know, the right. connected worker as an example. Mm-hmm. We've got Wi-Fi uh, in the locations where we want to connect that worker with our iPads or our Android tablets or let's say our, our Microsoft HoloLens or our, our Vuzix, uh LibreStream related uh, goggles, right? Right. But what, what we're finding is that, you know, Wi-Fi is not helping us with jitter or latency issues that we have to have to do a digital twin or be able to connect to a remote worker to get advice on a safety issue or a turnaround at the plant. And so what we say, okay, well, there, let's, let's summarize that. Let's go into the detail on what the risks are, the risks of doing uh, uh, a proof of concept to really true, prove out the value or the risk of not doing it, right? So they're forced with a decision that they have to make. Uh, on the IT and the business side, do we invest more money in Wi-Fi and try and manage, you know, hundreds of more access points to hopefully give us the connectivity that, you know, reduce jitter and, and low latency that we need? Or do we take a look at other options that are available to us now, which is, you know, more of a 4G LTE slash 5G approach? Is a private cellular network something we should consider? And you start weighing out the value propositions and and that's what leads to the use cases leading to the next step, right? Let's do right. rapid test and learn in more of a proof of value where we agree on what metrics are success, make success happen for this business case. And then let's measure that together. And that, yeah. that might include SI partners. That might include other, um, other partners from Verizon to, to work through that process. And as you know, you know, we've got uh, relationships with the Microsofts and, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody else on the cloud side. Yeah, and it's good because the industry is becoming a little bit more friendly or has has become a lot more friendly to the idea of, uh, you know, working across multiple partners, um, you know, 
and even maybe learning some things from industry from other industries and bringing new ideas in and things like that. So that that's good. What um, do you find that? So you mentioned the connected worker as an example, mm-hmm. but even that, even the connected worker is sort of like a capability in the abstract. Um, do you find that people are planning these things? So are they thinking about, okay, my actual business objective, let's say in a, you mentioned refineries, right? In a refinery, maybe my objective is, uh, you know, uh, at, at a very high level to reduce downtime. And maybe that drops down to um, some more specific operational components that are, that we need. Cause you know, downtime of course is unbelievably expensive in a refinery, or maybe the objective is we need to, um, uh, you know, get, get people out, you know, we need to be able to get people out of the red zones, which means we need to automate some, some, some more of these inspection type things. Um, do they, do they start there with those, um, what I would call like operational objectives and then work back. I, I know that they start with those things and talk about, so therefore what kind of robot do we need with a particular camera on it and things like that. Right. Or what kind of, what kind of data uh, structures do we need to be able to support? But do they, do they, are, are they working all the way back through and thinking about um, all of the, all those other things that you mentioned uh, so that, so that you can trace that value, right? Like this is the, like this is driving that particular value in the business. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it start, it may start at the operational level, but it almost, it may translate to supply chain related cost right. savings or productivity, right. but it may be an HR issue, right. Or a finance issue. So now all of a sudden, you know, you're touching different business entities within the enterprise. It's not just, so that use case might drive multiple value propositions. Sure. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. And, and that's what we try and do is, is, is to get together working with the customer to figure out how can we co-create an executive summary so that we can communicate on our side, as well as with partners, as well as for them internally. I've had customers say, boy, you know, by, by co-creating this business executive summary on the business case itself and the outcomes that we're looking for, we can communicate effectively with our business leaders, with our IT OT leaders, and everybody's on the same page. If you don't have that common uh, North star, if you will, uh, that we're all moving toward, you know, it, it really gets off track really quickly. Yeah. And that, le- and that, and that leads to the next step, right? You know, right. The, the big issue on outcomes is really about how, how do we make sure everything is secure? How do we make sure, and I don't want to go into a deep dive on that, but the beauty of a private network uh, really gives you that, you know, that IEEE, you know, three GPP global standards of security of zero trust, meaning, you know, no one's authorized to get at this data or this device or this person unless they're authenticated and authorized, right? And and that's right. another big part of, of the value proposition that we bring as part of driving these business outcome use cases. Yeah. Okay. So let's so let's break that down a little bit because so what are the what are the technology components? So kind of with with all of that as kind of an umbrella of objectives. What mm-hmm. what are the what are the technology components that you're you're working with or you're bringing to bear in these cases, and and maybe how are they different from how how it's been done traditionally, or or what new capabilities are we seeing that enable enable this stuff? Yeah, well, I like to look at it, and many of the IT folks that are listening might you know be familiar with the Purdue model and basically yep. all the different layers of, of the infrastructure, right? Well, if you look at it from that perspective, I take it to the next level higher up and say, go from left to right. You've got endpoints out there at the perimeter, wherever they might be, in an oil field, 
uh, on a pipeline on the midstream side, or let's look at the downstream, right? So you've got plant refinery locations. All of them have some sort of an endpoint. It could be a machine, a sensor, a device. Then you go up to the next la layer, which is the network itself, right? The current network, the software-defined network, the OT, IT network. And then you move to the edge, and then you move to the cloud, right? So you've got those four kind of key components right. of the overall infrastructure strategy. And many times you have to think about, okay, we've got our current brownfield environment, whatever that network looks like today. Right. But if we're going to transform that to be able to, number one, be secure, Number two, to be able to enable getting the data out of these places we can't get at it today, or these OT devices that we really need more information on. Um, and if and what the other thing that I'm finding is that we've got customers saying we we'd rather do cost savings as a priority, even over and above productivity in some cases, hmm, because there's so much there's yeah. so much pressure right now on you know reducing costs, you know coming out of COVID and. You know, folks are, are being, <coughs> there's a lot of transition going on with with uh, the workforce itself in terms of retirement and so forth and, and layoffs. So yeah, we're very yeah. much aware of that and we try and work through that together with them. Do you think, do you think, so that's an interesting thing, prioritize cost over productivity. Do you think some of that is because a lot of promises, a lot of ROI type promises of productivity haven't been fulfilled over the years, right? Like a lot of money has been spent in the name of productivity, but, but, but you wonder sometimes like the, like, did, did we get that productivity boost that we said we were going to get? Or maybe we just need to think about how to do this cheaper and save money. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty, getting back to business outcome value cases. That, that kind of sets the tone for a whole new way of looking at, instead of starting with, hey, I need to replace my, you know, my routers, or I need to update my, my WAN or my LAN. Instead of looking at it from that perspective, we look at it from, well, what does the roadmap look like? You know, what are the business strategies that we need to right. align to? And then, then we work backwards from that to drive the highest priority use cases possible to get the most value from a productivity standpoint and as much cost savings as we can drive. So you have to look, you almost have to go through a down selection process. Think about that. Right. We've got one, right. one customer that kind of came up with, you know, 50 or 52 value cases across the entire enterprise, you know, mostly in manufacturing, mostly in refinery, uh, but other, other places as well. And now, how do I down select that so that wherever I start my, my roadmap to industry 4.0 productivity and, you know, smart industry strategy, where can I get the most value? And you have to go through this down selection process based on some set of metrics. Right, right, right. So, so 52 is, is a lot. So did they do that on their own or did they, cause usually you have to like get somebody like McKinsey or Deloitte or somebody to come in and generate that kind of volume of value cases. Um, is that, that, I mean, that's a good piece of work. Well, yeah, that's exactly what happened, and that's where it starts too. I mean, you know, the uh, those types of uh, business partners come in and, and help set the stage for a long-term five-year-plus vision, and, and that's where we come in. Once we understand that with the customer, we can help them say, well, how do we operationalize this, uh, and how do we do it the most effective way? How do we drive the most value out of this use case? And that's now we get back to connectivity. And when yep. we talk to our SI partners, they basically say, you guys are the missing link. You're the connectivity and the security level that we need to drive these business use cases and outcomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that, that's, that, I mean, that's, that is the key, right? Is you can, uh, there's been a lot of strategies written, but how do you operationalize it is always, is always the big question. So, so what do you, um, 
so you said you have some story. I, I can't remember if you said this after we started recording or but when we were just chatting, but you said you have some good stories. What's uh, <laughs> what, what's uh, um, like, and, and maybe that one that you were just talking about, but, but what's a good story of somebody who said, who took this approach um, and they came through it and, and now like they can declare victory and they can say, and they can measurably say, you know, we're better off in these ways. Right. Well, again, we're kind of everybody's on a new journey here with, you know, 5G coming into play and it's coming into play very rapidly now. Right. Uh, and, and the connectivity story is is the big play. Right. Because and why is that? Again, it gets back to the, the value cases are driving it. So one of the stories I've got is, you know, around two or three different manufacturers and one or two of them. Actually, there's several of them that are uh, refinery based where they have robotics or AGVs that are moving equipment right. or materials from the outside of the location. Think of these 400 plus acre locations, refineries, right? And mm -hmm. they have to move things around, whether it's manufacturing related or refinery related. Uh, and, and they've got Wi-Fi. Well, Wi-Fi is very hard to manage on the outside, as everybody knows. There's just way too much interference and they can't get the connectivity that they need. So, a, a private network, you know, surrounding that particular entire plant is key. And they have, you know, they've got decisions to make, right? They, do they make hundreds of or thousands of dollars worth of investment in more Wi-Fi? And it's not to, it's not in any way, what I'm saying is not in any way meant to uh, create any negativity toward Wi-Fi because most use cases or many of them will require it. But when you have specific use cases that need that low latency and connectivity layer, uh, with low jitter and so forth, like the connected worker, like AGVs, like predictive analytics uh, or computer vision for that matter to do better quality right. control, uh, you have to have a different form, right? What, what else do they have to look for? So therefore, we're, we're moving into rapid proof of value with very specific metrics for success to drive those, those use cases. And yeah. what we're finding is, you know, the results are, are, really, are really coming through. We don't have you know, all of them all nailed down yet, but the current insights that we're receiving from the customer's perspective are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, um, I mean, there's so much of that happening so quickly. Uh, I was just actually, it's probably going to be, it might be the episode right before this one. Um, uh, once you know, it takes a couple of weeks before these come out. But uh, I was recently talking with one of the guys from Boston Dynamics, and you know, they uh, with their spot robot, and and you mentioned computer vision and all of the. I mean, the amount of now that they've got these these uh, we have all these devices and robots and you know and and the difference between and we're blurring the lines between automated and autonomous, and there's so much that can happen, um, you know, and, and we're already generating a lot of data out there and we're going to be, and now there's going to be even more data because now instead of a person looking at the gauge, right. And storing it in their, the, the reading in their brain or wherever they, right now it's, that's, that's being captured with computer vision. And now that becomes data. And, and, um, I, I don't, I don't think it's slowing down. I mean, it's right. I mean, yeah. It's, it's getting bigger, faster, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're absolutely right. And speaking of that, you know, bigger, faster, you know, think of the, the manufacturers of PLC type devices, right? The product logic control. Um, they're trying to keep up too. They know that they have to change from their current uh, in manufacturing a process to more 5G oriented connectivity devices. And um, so we're working with the, you know, the Siemens and the GEs and uh, those folks of the world that 
you know, our, the, right. all the refineries and manufacturing plants, they're going, well, how do we, you know, how do we get access to these devices? Well, we got ways we can work with that with, you know, um, to, to get connectivity to those devices today until such time as the devices are replaced with 5G specific connectivity. And, and we do that with uh, different techniques that we use. And then the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, how do I, how do I make these applications more aware? So what's happening in that particular story is a lot of the applications that customers currently have are not containerized, right? Or they're not virtualized. That's a whole other level of, of effort that needs to happen in order to make it much more efficient in terms of more software-defined orchestration and automation. And so, yeah. you know, that's a whole other area that we're finding in the ITOT convergence world that, you know, many people start to overlook until you dig into the details. Right. What right. applications are out there and how do they yeah. need to be involved, evolved into a more containerized approach? Right. So, okay. So, and, and you... And you mentioned 5G a couple times, um, which makes me think about, uh, which, which, which isn't completely there yet, but it's getting there quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, w- one of the challenges for people, I, I know some of, the, some of the companies that I, I've worked with who are trying to, um, to try to create a roadmap, right, and plans and do all the smart things that you said. Um, one of the challenges is, how, everything is is moving so quickly and new capabilities are coming along and the business is coming up with new ideas about more things that they want to be able to do and and you know and and we had cloud and then we had multi-cloud and then we had hybrid cloud and 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 here comes 5g now right and mm-hmm. um how do i create a plan i mean I, am i am i wasting my time to do a bunch of stuff now uh when i'm going to be when pretty soon I'm going to be like redoing it all for 5G, right? Or how how do I make smart decisions now with respect to all this stuff and kind of future proof it so that I'm not constantly like tearing it up and trying to redo it with whatever the latest thing is? That, exactly. That, that's that, that's. By the way, you could you can take a pass on that question if you if you want. But no, that, no. But I know that's something that people people struggle with is like, like they almost become like it's sort of like uh um uh, you know like they're they're almost like it's like gridlock because I I don't want to take a step in this direction and find out that I should have stepped in the other direction and now I got to yeah. explain that to my superiors right. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of kind of where we're at now. By the way, you know. 5G is rolling out. I mean, we're not we're not waiting for it. We're able to start to actually execute a private 5G on-site cellular network uh, in, in in a couple different ways. We've got different hybrid ways to take this new you know greenfield private network and blend it in with your current brownfield current network strategy. Mm, and we also okay. we also we also have a game plan now in terms of a discover and design approach where we have phased you know. We, we go through a discovery process. We go through an analyze and design process. And by the way, all these private networks are engineered specifically for the various current use cases that are high priority, as well as a future, you know, future proofing other use cases that you may not even have on the, on the radar yet, or they're there, but they're going to be implemented at a later time. Yeah. Okay? So you basically have to have a playbook of operations. So that's another thing that we help design. So we basically have a discover and design approach that kind of takes you through the different phases of your current environment, where you're where you're going on your roadmap, and then a, a design engineered approach with a final design roadmap to implement. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. it's really well thought out. Okay, so I want to, but I want to back up to this one little thing that you said very 
like easily and matter of factly, which is um, we have a, a a way to take the the green fields and blend it with the brown field, which mm-hmm. sounds like uh, something that the sales guy says, and then the guys who are actually holding all the equipment like are like like shaking their heads, like I don't know how we're gonna do this. So mm-hmm. how to talk, talk talk about that? Like like that that sounds too good to be true, almost. So how how does that shake out? You sound like plant plant operations guy talking to people. How the heck are <laughs> you gonna I'm, do that? I can I can switch hats pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's a great question. And, and believe me, I mean, when we talk to plant, you know, folks that are actually managing the plant, the IT and the OT, you know, they, they have to get behind and understand that, you know, this is a, you know, in order to drive the use cases to it for the metrics for success that the business is looking for, things have to change, right? You, you can't get by. It's not going to support the business cases going forward. So, you know, there's a lot of education that has to happen. You know, 5G and private LTE is so new. You know, there's a lot of education that needs right. to be. And, and so you have to embrace change, number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, love to, we love to do that, by the way. That's our favorite thing in this industry. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting better at it. I got to say, we are, we are definitely getting better at it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's a lot of education. And, and that's what we're here to do. You know, we, we hear what you're saying. These changes are not easy. Uh, you got to take it one step at a time. And that's why we, we suggest these use cases that are very focused so that you get rapid test and learn, you know, rapid. Hey, if we fail here, let's learn from that and move to the next step. Right. And yeah, we take yeah. that in consideration as we build these use cases. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I want to, um, so, so with all, with all of that in mind, I want to throw this this I want to throw this other thing at you, which um, is okay. uh, just to see what you, to see what you think, because, we had so recently OGGN um, uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We had our our starting back up again the famous OGGN happy hour events, which um, which are now back in full swing monthly and and uh, and we always have a we always have a great panel discussion. And on this last in this last one a couple of weeks ago, we were talking. The topic for the panel was was edge computing and various things related to edge computing and and uh, one of the panelists who's also my friend ration toolsy uh long time schlumberjake guy but but uh now with databricks and he's but he's also sort of like one of these uh uh kind of te- technology visionaries always like looks to the future and thinks of things that, that nobody else is thinking about and mm-hmm. he said in the middle of this whole conversation about edge computing he said, and I was the moderator, and he said, well, really, edge computing is transitional because pretty soon with with 5G and all the other capabilities that we're going to have, you're not going to need to do any computing, all this computing at the edge, because we're going to have the bandwidth and the connectivity and the throughput that we need to just do everything in the cloud. So what? <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how, how does that look to you? I mean, do, do, is that... Is that where we're headed? Are we are we headed to is is our ability is our need to put all this computational stuff at the edge um, really a transitional step? Because eventually we won't we won't have to do that because we'll just be able we'll have such nice uh, connectivity that it won't be necessary. Yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate statement. I think that's it's, it's evolutionary, right? Because you know we're not all about saying hey, let's put some more PCs to do more processing at the edge. That's not the answer. Right. The, the answer is leveraging the, the 5G technology to do data slicing, as an example, you know, to be able to to take that connectivity layer and split it off as much as we possibly can in different directions to take on different use cases. So what I mean by that is, you know, 5G allows you to do data slicing where I can take, you know, high level, high priority, 
low latency, high connectivity applications that put them on a slice and they get mm-hmm. everything they need to, to, to be successful on, on, yeah. on that use case. And then I can take another slice that does, may not need that level of bandwidth. We can monitor it and manage it to the level that's required for that particular operation. You know, and if I were to gonna give some recommendations for future state, think of it in like in a couple of big chunks. Like, you know, think about network cloud connectivity is one area. Right. Wireless cloud connectivity is another one. Data classification, this is huge. You know, labeling yeah. fully the requirements and encryption, the routing, the filtering of the data. Devices themselves, making sure that you understand what devices are gonna be part of the, you know, the infrastructure going forward. And then the applications that I mentioned earlier from a containerized perspective, making sure that yeah. you've got the identity and, and the classification and tagging done that needs to be accomplished. So, uh, so those are areas. So just that, at. really, just that. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. Just those things. But that but that comes back to why you need a good uh, plan, right, With uh, yeah. where you identify all the objectives and you work through it. Because if you're just um, like – Nobody would ever admit to working haphazardly, but we do sometimes, right? And we end mm-hmm. up, you know, we just start chasing. Like you said, there are these new capabilities and everybody, you know, it happened with cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, first, the first thing that happened with cloud was everybody in oil and gas said, no way we're ever going to do that. And then like all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but one day everybody woke up and said, we have to get into the cloud as fast as we can. <laughs> Right. And, and, and the next thing you knew, like everybody, everybody that I talked to, every operator, every service company was like, well, well, we got it. They had the, they're, they're pushing for the cloud, but maybe not exactly with a strategy, like you said, that was tied to the, um, uh, the business outcomes. Like they had this vague idea of business outcomes and they had, but, but they were chasing implementation, which of course caused everybody to, to kind of put the brakes on and reevaluate. Now I think we're doing, now everybody's, I think, moving mm-hmm. along in a smart kind of way. So you're, what you're describing is very similar to that, except now we need to do it with this other domain that you're talking about. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's one more, one more story I would like to share, you know, in terms of, you know, a lot of the IT, OT leaders that might be listening you might have digital transformation teams being formed, right? You might have a new chief technology or chief digital officer being put into place or is in place now, driving a whole innovation roadmap strategy. And, you know, just to encourage you, you know, as we talk together uh, with, with our IT, OT counterparts and share with them, you know, some of the things that we're seeing in the industry, how things are evolving, uh, you know, talking about the business outcomes, helping them understand how they can, uh, come up to speed, if you will, and educate on how you can help support the digital transformation efforts. Number one, you know, get your arms around IT, OT security. That's a huge area that if you can get your arms around that, and not just air gapping OT, I'm talking about, you know, like I said right. earlier, zero trust. So that when, when the business comes to you and says, you know, we need you to have, you know, drive these high level use cases and we need your, your uh, infrastructure to support it. Well, you're ahead, of, you're ahead of the game. You've addressed yeah. security up front, right? And you're also ready to say, well, you know, we've got 4G, 5G capabilities uh, that we can test. Uh, we've got, in, in our case, Verizon or others like us that can help us really drive that, that new Greenfield network, Industry 4.0 network modernization strategy. So yeah. I encourage you to, you know, get ready because the business is going to be pounded down your neck to say, we need you to support this. Yeah, if they're not already, and um, and and what? So yeah, that's smart because what you're describing is kind of um, uh, 
is is basically like the old uh, uh, app dev software development idea or enterprise architecture idea of design mm-hmm. patterns, right? Which means yeah. we may not know these so the exact requirement yet, but we know the kinds of things that we're going to need to be able to do. Yes. And, and, um, and that's where, uh, I think it also helps. This is where, uh, especially, you know, not, not everybody has all this talent in house, right? So, uh, we can, or all the experience, maybe you have the talent, but you don't have the experience. So we can learn from, um, other people, like what are the kinds of things that we need to be able to do? And mm-hmm. let's, let's get, so let's start working on that. So you're right. So that, because, what we don't want to be the, the the last thing we want to do is say, well, there was a big incident with pipeline security up <laughs> in uh, in <laughs> in some other part of the right. world, and so now we're going to go back to just like you said, air gapping everything, and because uh, that's not going to that's that's not going to win you a lot of friends as these no. things go along. Yeah, yeah. I so hope good. that helps. Yeah, no, that's really good stuff, um, and uh, it's good to know it's good to know that that people are out there. Um, working and thinking in these ways. I think it has a lot, you know, um, so I have this other podcast, Oil and Gas, part of the OGGN Oil and Gas Global Network, and it's called uh, Digital Doers, Oil and Gas mm-hmm. Digital Doers. And that's where we talk a lot about getting, you know, get it, actually get, how do we get this stuff done? Because we don't want to be the subject of, of manage, management consulting articles that say that oil and gas isn't making progress in digital transformation. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's good that, so, so you're seeing people make real progress, right? I Absolutely. Guess yeah, yeah. So that's good. All right. Well, well, uh, Steve, uh, I think we're we're getting to that p- point where um, uh, people might change the channel if we keep talking. Uh, so, um, although, but, but, uh, I, but, I, but, if somebody wants to learn more about any of this stuff, about what Verizon's doing, about what you're doing, um, uh, obviously, uh, we'll we'll put we'll put links in the show notes to your LinkedIn and and uh, any anything in particular that you can uh, direct people to, to to learn more about this stuff. Uh, well, you can obviously go to Verizon.com, but, you know, more, that's probably the best place to learn more about, you know, where we're at with 5G and how we're rolling out uh, C-band to improve, you know, overall 4G capabilities across the U.S., especially in rural areas. Um, so go there and, you know, reach out to, to us if, if you'd like more information. We'd love to come on, on site and, and work with you as necessary to help you build use cases that add value. Uh, and also educate and, and yeah. give you industry information. You know, let us share our point of view of what we're hearing, what we're seeing, and we'll be glad to share that to help you. You know, come up to speed on on industry 4.0 and smart manufacturing, smart refining. Right, right. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks again, Steve Mathers from Verizon. Really appreciate you spending time today. Uh, great insights, and uh, it's good to get a glimpse of uh, of of how things are shaping up in the world of connectivity, and also some good guidance on on what we can do to plan for it and uh, and execute effectively. Just a couple more things to wrap up here. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cognite. Really appreciate them not only paying the bills, but all the great things they're doing for the industry. Have a look at makedatadomore.cognite.com and uh, you can you can read all about it. Also, uh, I want to give a uh, mention uh, here about our street team, the OGGN street team. If you're not part of it, uh, then you need to be part of it. And you don't have to be in Houston. You don't have to be on the Houston streets. You can actually be, thanks to the Miracles of Modern uh, 
technology. We can have street team people everywhere and anywhere. And, uh, and it's a great way to do something good for the industry, for OGGN, uh, do something good for yourself. And, uh, you know, especially if you're just, you're just tired of having your dog stare at you while you're on the Zoom calls, then this is a great way to do something different. So, so look this guy up, Brian Mon. M-A-H-N. You can find him very easily on LinkedIn. He's quite present, and he is the fearless leader of the OGGN Street Team, and he will uh, he will get you get you involved and get you going. Also, uh, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but you got to check out OGGN.com to find out about all of our new shows that we that we've done. We've got the sister show to this one, Oil and Gas Digital Doers, where we talk. Not so much about the tech itself, but but about how people are having success, and we got some great stories there. We've also got some other new shows out: Energy Scale Ups with Jose Solis. We got Journey to the Energy C Suite with Ryan Sanford, and that sounds pretty fascinating. Both of those shows are great, and uh, so so go to the you go to the OGGM website. You can find out about the new shows. Uh, you don't want to listen to them there, but but you can find out what they are, and then you can go look for them on your favorite podcast app that is going to wrap it up for today uh one last uh, word of thanks to our audio fixer guy mr mac roman who always makes us sound great and and remember i'm gonna go back to something that I, I i used to say this quite a lot and and somebody brought it to my attention that i haven't said it recently so uh so when you uh we've been doing technology we've been doing innovation in this industry for a really long time like not even like not even decades but like a century and so, um, so when somebody starts to give you a hard time about how oil and gas is behind the times with uh, all the cool new stuff, just uh, give them that little history lesson and tell them that we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.